0: Hey guys, how are you? Welcome to the Image Junkies podcast with me, Christian Parkinson. Today's episode 11, and we've got another interview from across the pond. This time it's Stuart Pittman, aka Lenslinger. Now, according to his Twitter uh, page, he's a cameraman anthropologist, misadventurer scribe, founding member of the Lenslinger Institute. Basically, Stewart is a very, very experienced cameraman in Charlotte, North Carolina in the US, and he spent a lot of time talking about hurricanes, or not talking about, filming uh, hurricanes and all that sort of good stuff. So we talk a lot about that, about the practical tips for filming hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, and other extreme weather events. So let me not hold you up. Let's get to Stewart. So first off, For anyone who doesn't know you, who are you and what do you do? Uh, My name's Stuart Pittman. I live
1: in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm what's considered a television news photographer, a a local television news photographer. So I work for an individual station, at the time a station that shows NBC um, content. Um, But I have worked in North Carolina at local television stations since 1989, uh, five or six in all. And feel like I've done every kind of local news there is, from from uh, jackknife semis on the highway to um, local celebrities to sports to everything in between. It's it's looks like yourself. It's hard to think about what I haven't covered.
0: <laughs> and I mean, what is? I know this is a difficult question given what you've just said, but for people who aren't. Uh, doing the job in the U.S. for people in other countries. Can you give us an idea of what the average day is like? You know, like how do the shift patterns work? What sort of stories are you doing? Who assigns you? You know, just give us a sense of your day-to-day life. Sure. Um,
1: When I'm working a day shift, which is what I consider a good day, um, I basically start in the morning around 9.30 or 10 o'clock going to an editorial meeting where uh, producers and reporters and photographers and managers are... Um, gathered trying to figure out what story is going to go on air that day. Um, I've spent most of my career working by myself, creating my own content by writing stories uh, as well as shooting and, and editing, of course. And that's allowed me to to work away from the daily mix of the uh, what we call the crime and grime, the daily news stories that are going to be the lead stories. And it's let me do a lot of uh, featurey fun stuff over the years. But recently, and being in the Charlotte market, in a, in a slightly bigger market, um, there's not a big call for uh, enterprise feature stories uh, as much as there is uh, working with other crews, both individually and with them, to cover the day's news. Um, Charlotte is a hard news market. Um, you know, If it bleeds, it leads. It's a cliche, but here at least it's true. So in the morning, I'll come in. And most often, be assigned to a reporter, and that reporter and I will uh, crank out two stories, um, about a minute thirty, and length each one. They can uh, most often those two stories are in, in different counties, you know, um, and in, uh, and on different subjects. Um, you know, it used to be a news crew of, of uh, two covering one story a day. Very often, where I'm at, it's a news crew of one covering two stories a day.
0: Wow. So so how does the, uh, sorry to cut you off. How does the logistics sure. of that work? Because that's a lot of work in one shift. I mean, what do you do? Do you have to do one for the, for the, you know, one o'clock news and another one for the nine o'clock news? How does that work?
1: No, you have, you know, this is just a, a, a sketch of what it's usually like, but you can have a story in the five o'clock news and a story in the six o'clock news. And how you make all that happen, they don't really care. <laughs> just make it happen. Wow. So, um, very often it's, it's like the scene out of a Mad Max movie, uh, in that I'm racing from one location to another, um, very often ping ponging from one county to the next based on, as you know, the availability of someone to speak right now. Hmm. So, um, you can spend all morning working on the story that airs later in the day than the story you tackle at noon. Um, so it's, it's, a uh, you know. As far as where I sit, there is no um, flow chart or plan. It's just make it, make slot, make deadline. And um, I spend a lot of time on the highways driving from one place to another. Sometimes I'll spend eight to ten hours my whole shift in the car. Wow. Editing on a laptop from afar, feeding in via the Internet. So um, the days of you know lounging around in a TV station with a cup of coffee while I leisurely edit, long gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's
1: um, doing it out of a laptop from anywhere.
0: Yeah, I hear you. It's pretty much the same with me. Um, but I mean, uh, how, do you, how do you like that compared to the features you say you used to do a lot more of? I mean, do you get a real kick out of the hard news, two pieces a day, you know, if it bleeds, it leads? Or do you sort of miss doing more lighthearted features and, and things maybe where you have a little bit more time?
1: I miss doing the lighthearted features, not so much because of the content, but because of, of, of the demand for creativity. I mean, when you're covering a house fire in the morning and a um, drive-by shooting in the afternoon, how creative can you get when you're basically shooting parked vehicles with flashing lights? Um, it takes a lot more creativity, and, and there's a lot. it's a much more target-rich environment to go to the Easter egg hunt. Uh, to go to the, the petting zoo, to any number of, of things that sound minute and unimportant but make for good visual vignettes and, and moments and stories. So I don't get much of a charge at all out of, out of chasing one lead story to the next other than a paycheck and the knowledge that my skills are, are heightened because you can't crank out the kind of content we do without being proficient at it. But given my druthers, I'd rather be doing the dog in the funny hat story. Who
0: <laughs> Brilliant, and, and a classic cameraman question, but I've I've got to ask, what what kit do you use?
1: What kit do I use? Here's where I'm going to reveal myself as not being that technical, but I use a full-size Sony. Uh, <laughs> you might have to add some of this because I don't really know. I mean, it's the size of a of of, of an old Beta cam. Oh, okay. And it's a Sony and I you know it um, records on um uh, S by the, S
0: cards. Yes. So is it is um, it is it perhaps one of the PMW series, like a PMW five hundred or something like that?
1: I would suspect that it is. It, it is it a full size, probably 10, 12 year old um, Sony cam. Yeah. Um I, I don't have small gear. Um I don't mind it. I like my big gear.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um
1: I may be something of a dinosaur, I've got a Goliath of a tripod, but um, you know, I like that lens, I like those sticks, I like that steady platform. I've used yeah. small cameras before. Um, and I've always said if the camera will properly white balance, I'll make it cry and sing, but I would much prefer having the, the kind of glass, the kind of external lens I have now. Yeah. Well I'm I mean sorry, I'm not more
0: t- no, no, I mean to be honest, in my experience and tell me what you think, I always find the best cameramen are the least technical. Um, you know, often I've, I've had experiences where I've maybe been stood outside a story alongside other camera crews, and I'm intimidated by their knowledge. I mean, you know, they're so sort of technical, they know everything and you think, wow, this guy must be amazing. And then you watch his pictures that night and you think, actually, he wasn't that good. And I've sort of noticed those who are really, really technical aren't usually the best filmmakers. I don't know if you've noticed the same thing.
1: I, I really haven't, but I like the sound of it because that would uh, hold me in good stead. Um, I've always considered myself something of a writer who, who just learned to write and communicate via these particular tools I discovered in my early 20s. You know, I think, I think had I, um, I could just as easily have gotten into computer programming or, or, or the creative side of that, had I stumbled into it. Um, but I by no means am the most technical chap around. Most people assume that the guy behind the camera is highly technical, um, and it's a struggle sometimes to pretend to be that guy. When you know deep in your heart, that is not you, so I do that a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, but no, ste- I know what you mean.
1: Speaking of that, you ask about the our, our workflow. Because because what used to be, you know, big live trucks with collapsible masts have now turned into backpacks with one button, hmm. um, the, the playing field is so much different. Um, things are easier. I was thinking about this morning working a morning shift. Working a morning shift for a two-hour morning show, if not longer, would... Normally be parking a truck somewhere, really getting a thousand foot of cable, you know, going all around the event. These days, it's, it's a backpack. It's a tiny backpack, and it's yeah. one button. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, you're outraged. Yet it's so, <laughs> it's so much easier now. Um, yeah. I find that to be a two-sided coin in that uh, it sure is easy and convenient, but um, it marginalizes the journeyman technician creative type like myself and I suspect like yourself. You know, um, back before the late 90s, if you could make television, you were a Jedi Knight mm. in that realm. Now, certainly kids are out doing what I do in their, on their iPads in their um, bedroom, you know, at age 12. So, yeah, it's just, that's what because we have the technology that makes it so much easier is the only way we here crank out so much product throughout the day.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And the technology is a really double sided, uh, double edged sword, isn't it? I mean, on one hand, it's brilliant. And like you say, it makes our life easier. Um, And and on the other hand, you know, the danger is, you know, guys like you and I sort of find ourselves pushed, pushed aside for, uh, you know, for, for because of the technology. And I mean I'm certainly not one of these who wants to go around smashing up iPhones you know I I, I welcome it I welcome the challenge and I actually enjoy yeah. using them myself sometimes but I wonder what you think you know long term and this is probably a uh, bit of a depressing thought to get into too soon in the interview but long term <laughs> do you do you think guys like you and I have a solid long term future or should we be looking for a new job I
1: think I think guys like myself uh just turned 50 um there's a future it's going to be marginalized i'm going to have to stay very versatile to to earn to earn my keep in a, in a broadcast outlet uh, i think if you're younger than me um you need to diversify uh, if you're going to be a photog know that the era of push record and daydream is over so i i love what i do and i've done it for a long time and it's all i'll probably ever do But I can't, in good faith, recommend that path to to a young person uh, unless that's just going to be part of their skill set, and that's sad because you know the specialization that we once had um, enabled us to become, you know, really fine tuned in in some of our skills, and, and, and now it's more of a spray effect where if you're okay at writing and okay at editing and okay at shooting, you can get by. And it's 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 easy to miss the days of, of self-perceived virtuosos. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it really depends on where you are. If you're just starting out, uh, I would have to say, uh, you know, learn to shoot, learn to write, learn to edit, but also learn everything else you can because you're going to have to.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's um, good advice. And I always give the same advice to young journalists now trying to come through. You know, I always say learn to shoot and edit. You know, I don't want to put myself out of a job, but if you want long-term... A long-term future in this industry if you can't shoot and edit then your options are very very limited you know even if they want to be an on-screen reporter I always say it doesn't matter learn to shoot and edit take your phone out and just teach yourself how a sequence works even if you never need to use it again you should know those skills you know or at least have an understanding of what what the team around you are doing
1: yeah, I work with a lot of young people, when I want say young people, you know, mid-twenties, the, the average age of every television station for the past 20 years really is getting younger, but it's always been young. But um, I work with very, very sharp people in their twenties who, who know how to make television in every aspect, from mm-hmm. in front of the camera to, to shooting and editing on deadline, multiple stories a day. Uh, I won't always tell them this to their face, but for the most part I'm very impressed because they don't know how tough they have it. You know, back in the day, some of the people I worked with would have had a a couple of guys like me trailing behind them to make them look as good as we could come (laughs) up with. These days, you know, they're, they're out there doing it themselves and they're impeccably dressed and they're getting it done. And, um, I just find myself amazed sometimes, both in good ways and bad ways at the young people who, um, have learned to be versatile and understand all things tech and just get it done. Mm. I can't help but be impressed even when I don't want to be.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Because they're
1: replacing me, you
0: know? Um, And then I wanted to ask you, do you have sort of a a distinctive style? Is there a sort of way of shooting that people see your pieces, they go, oh, that was a Stuart Pittman piece? Or, you know, is is that that something you you sort of aim for or, or do you just sort of flow with it, every story's different? Um,
1: it's funny because, uh, uh, yes, I used to have a very distinctive style and I went through a period, you know, I had a bad wide angle addiction for about a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guilty uh, of
0: that as well. You know, the wider, the better.
1: uh, I I learned to shoot. Uh, I learned to shoot back when, uh, MTV was showing such things as, uh, the Pauly Shore show. Right. And you don't remember it, but it was a very (laughs) handheld wavy type of, Camera movement. Mm. And I picked up on that. And uh, for years, that was sort of what I thought as, as my look. And, and I learned to really um, slice that kind of uh, off shoulder, floating eyeball look with some really steady tripod work. The older I've gotten, the less, the less, the fewer risk I take. I hate to say it. Mm. Um, it's more, more tripod now. You know, NPPA is, is a big influence here, always has been. That's the uh, um, National Press my,
0: Photographers Association.
1: Yeah, which is you know very very sequenced, very Nat sound driven um, uh, lens centric uh, sequencing which, which I love to do it 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 took me years to um, to stop running around with the camera on my shoulder because I thought it looked cool mm. to realize what was important is how the footage looked and that's when I got the tripod out and and I'm a tripod junkie right now even though it's massive and heavy um, I. I, I can't say what my particular style is. I think I've 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 lost some of my distinctive style in becoming more well-rounded, and also um, understanding uh, that the viewer needs good clean footage. You know, sometimes our tricks are are, are for ourselves. Um, and these days, when you're cranking out as much content as I am during a day, there's only so much distinctive flash you can put on it. Yeah. Um, but I do love I do love Nat sound-driven. Uh, Fast edited, tightly edited, um, lens-centric things where you don't think about the shooter or the editor, uh, or certainly not the reporter. Yeah. You know, anytime I can build a sequence um, or be that invisible eyeball to suck someone in, you know, that's that's what I live for. I like to um, shoot stuff that I'd like to watch if I were on the couch, just turning the tube on.
0: I mean, one thing I discussed with Rick Porchette, uh and anyone who listens to this podcast: will know I've got a bit of an obsession with uh, American local news. Not that I get to watch it very often, but I do watch a lot of uh, packages online. And the style I find, especially the style you're talking about, the MPPA style with the tight editing, the you know, use of upsound, you know, everyone within 100 meters seems to have a microphone on. Um, I absolutely yeah. love it. It's, it's just amazing. Um, it's, so is that, is that sort of something that you get a chance to do very often or just hardly at all these days?
1: No, that's, that's an everyday thing in that, um, you know, for for lack of a better description, that is that is the um, state of the, uh, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, I mean, I, I aim for those NPPA standards every day. Yeah. You know, if I had my druthers, everything I shot would look like the very best of 60 minutes in CBS Sunday Morning, you know, mm. um, with these elegantly framed interviews uh, and, and NAT sound sequences, so... Yeah, that's something we aim for every day, and um, I must say the station I'm working for now is pretty good with the gear as far as getting you what you need, mm-hmm. um, but with considering the pace with which we do it at, it's um, you got to be happy with uh, basics, with quality, yeah. um, because you don't have a lot of time to hot dog, to, to really build a lot of things that, that aren't you know, done on the fly. Unfortunately, yeah. um, I've always told younger people, um, you know, do it well, uh, but more importantly, do it fast. And that sounds like you're you're cutting into some of your standards, but it's not. It's just, um, you know, if if it's a second late or it didn't make slot, it wasn't very good at all.
0: Yeah, true. In fact,
1: it was horrible. So you know, sometimes currently I'm finding myself in an environment where it's it's you know, don't make art, make slot. And I come from a background where it, where it's you know make art or at least try. Yeah. So I think that's the utilitarian path that television news is going down. I think um, I think someday local news isn't something you would dare watch on a big screen television. You would just glance at it on your um, smartwatch. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be so pedestrian that it wouldn't occur to you to watch it on the same device that you watch big cinema on. Hmm. if that makes any sense. It does. I think it's becoming just more and more pedestrian.
0: Yeah, a bit depressing, but I know what you're saying. I mean, I think, yeah. I think there's a backlash, though, isn't there? I mean, I do see a lot of really good stuff. Funnily enough, and I don't know if you agree, I mean, I now mainly work uh, for our online uh, content. You know, I create content for our online channels. And I would say now the most creative stuff I'm seeing is, is on the web. I'm, you know, I watch the output of the UK news channels, oh my god, Mm -hmm. it's dire. No disrespect to the people involved, they do a very professional job. It's just boring. It's the same GVs, the same framing, everything's the same. Um, But then you go online, um, and people are doing really creative stuff, often with the same material, you know, just repackaging the same material, but in a much more interesting way, because they're not tied to, you know, one minute 30, two clips, a piece to camera, you know, uh, and I just think it allows you a lot more freedom. So I... you know i guess the point i'm trying to make is i agree with you a hundred percent but i also think there are creative outlets just not for tv sadly these days
1: yeah i think i think the type of creative individual that um, once upon a time was drawn to this particular craft um, now has so many more creative technical options um, I, I don't know that if, that if i came of age today that i would have gravitated toward it not that i ever planned to It just happened. Um but certainly i I think our craft is 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 ripe for reinvention and I think most of that's going to come from the web you know the the YouTube generation, which is a, a hackneyed term already um, is not so much obsessed with camera choreographics um, in fact that's that's not even thought of at all um, and yet some of the content can can be very potent so I'm excited to see you know what television news is going to turn into, I don't think it's ever going to go away entirely. I think we're always going to to look to the screen to get that Mm. local news and weather. And I think uh, as the technology gets even better, um, there are gonna be people like myself out there who wanna run around and take pictures and video and sound and and record the truth. Yeah. But I, I really can't imagine where it's going. I knew back in 1989 that I would experience great changes, but I could not have predicted where we are today and i certainly can't predict where we're going tomorrow
0: yeah no i think anyone who uh anyone who says they can is lying anyway so (laughs) so it's a fool's game predicting what happens next in tv um but one thing i wanted to ask you about i know where you live uh suffers a lot of extreme weather um Mm -hmm. is is that correct you're part of the world uh and that is and i believe you've covered a lot of these extreme weather events Uh, i always get mixed up is it hurricanes tornadoes that sort of thing Um, Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of both in that we do have, you know, yearly tornadoes, nothing like the Midwest, but certainly in the spring, there'll be a whole spate of rather destructive tornadoes, tornadoes so hard to predict, impossible, as far as I understand, if you're covering a tornado, you're, you're, you're covering, for the most part, the damage it just did, they strike so quickly hurricanes are, are a, a different um, species of course and that can also involve and that can involve you know ten days of of here it comes here it comes coverage um, I'm many hours from the coast where I'm living now in Charlotte North Carolina I'd say about three or four so I've lived uh, and worked further closer to the coast and covered hurricanes uh, of all sorts since about 1980 at 1989 including some that were very destructive some Category 3s. Uh, hurricane Floyd in 1999 brought a biblical amount of flooding to eastern North Carolina, and we covered all that. Um, to, hurricanes uh, are something you can count on every year. But as I always tell people, covering a hurricane makes for a far better cocktail party story than actual experience. Well, where I am now, it's it's a matter of... Uh, <laughs> loading up the car with, with lots of gear and supplies and food and, you know, driving two, three, four hours to the coast, picking a spot, camping out there and, and letting the hurricane come your way. Certainly, you're in communication with your station, and these days you've got your smartphone, so you can tell exactly where it is. Hurricanes are great for uh, television in so many ways, most of all, from, from my perspective, You know, you may get uh, 10 days to two weeks of notice before the hurricane hits. And it makes a picture-perfect type thing for a TV crew to plant themselves out by the beach and wait for the hurricane to come to them. And that's precisely how we do it. Um, The first couple of days you're there, it's just surfers and cops and and looky-loos. And it's beautiful weather. It's another great day at the beach with something interesting to talk about. As the days progress, the weather gets bad, the locals leave and you just... It's just you and some surfers and the cops and the police department and the, and the fire department, and there you ride out the storm. For years, so many times uh, for a storm, say on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, all the satellite trucks would invariably gather at one place because all of the seaside hotels close except there's always that uh, one hotel yeah. that stays open for the media. Yeah, And therefore, you've got 12, 15 satellite trucks at one hotel on an island. And and thus, thus is the biggest collection of people on the whole island at the time. And you're there for a few days. And back in the day, it was like a, um, it was like a concert parking lot in that you could walk from one satellite truck to another and see old friends and hearty yeah. souls. And everyone was there with their best gear. And you know, uh, it was quite the time. Today, however, since it's it's fewer satellite trucks and more. TVU's and the and live views, more backpack technology. Um, the, the habit of clustering together isn't as much.
0: Mm.
1: Now you can spread out and go live for most anywhere. Yeah. You know, back in the day you'd have to strategically park your satellite truck by the building, by the pier in a place that wouldn't get flooded or wouldn't get the mass ripped off by high winds. These days it's just for the most part, carrying a backpack as long as you've got cell service. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I have, I have covered hurricanes and, and, and gone, Three to five days without eating um, hot food, just you know, eating gran- granola bars out of a out of a cooler, um, because you'll get trapped on an island, which will lose power, or the uh, highway patrol will close the bridges. You know, no, ma- no matter how many times your news director calls you on the phone and says cross the bridge, if there's an army of state troopers at either side of the bridge, well, you're not going anywhere.
0: Hmm.
1: And I've had that experience before. Um, you get really good at, at setting up places where the reporter can appear to be outside and the TV crew can be inside.
0: Oh, okay, you like know, hotel the, balconies or something like that.
1: Yeah, the third floor hotel balcony is great in that you can be, you know, eating popcorn inside the room uh, <laughs> while the reporter <laughs> well, is they're on the hanging on for dear life, looking whether wind thrashed. <laughs> also, these hotels that, that I stay open, it should be noted that the moment you check in and the moment they take your money, they say, by the way, we're killing power at noon. Hmm. So you've got a hotel room, but there's no air conditioning, right? And it's an, it's a hotel room full of sandy, gritty TV gear, and it can get uncomfortable and and smelly. <laughs> um, but I've covered most hurricanes um, when the actual hurricane hit. For the most part, I have huddled in like the stairwells of of, of uh, beach hotels, you know, because uh, you're only going to cover so much of it. As it hits, at some point, you have to take shelter. Mm. Um, I would much rather spend five days at the beach informing viewers at how the hurricane's about to hit and then have it not hit and then have it skirt the shore because if and when the hurricane does hit, then the work begins. Yeah, people have no power. you have no power. Uh, there's a million stories everywhere of death and destruction. Um, people get really tense. Uh, it's hot it's thoroughly miserable and, and what you're covering is miserable. So I, I always enjoy, um, hurricanes that are, you know, uh, all hat and no cattle and that they come in, uh, fiercely, but then magically skip away. And a lot of them do, or at least don't hit as hard as we expect. Um, and I also want people to know that, that so many times, if, if they see a local news reporter at the coast, you know, lash to a stick in, in horrible weather. I want the viewers to know that most probably that reporter threatened to staff her coworkers to get the chance to do that. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, they think, Oh my gosh, it's, it's so terrible. They send you out there and you're like, yeah, well most of us volunteered to be here Yeah. and we can't fully explain that. It doesn't make sense. But when it's your job to document what happens around you, you want to be there. Yeah. And, and even as I've gotten older, I've, I tell my wife, the the only thing worse than covering a hurricane is watching my friends do it without me. (laughs) You know, I want to be in the middle of it. I I can't fully explain why. And um, I still have that urge 30 years into it. And I guess that's what keeps it interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that's what keeps us all going, that buzz, doesn't it? But, well, I've never covered an event like that. And, I mean, let's say I got deployed uh, to come over and cover one of these events. What tips would you give to me in terms of, you know, what What I should be thinking logistically and then, you know, right. just practical tips for sort of filming in that sort of weather. Have you got any advice?
1: Yeah, trash bags. <laughs> okay. Trash bags and duct tape. You know, I don't care how much money you spend on your high-dollar um, uh, camera rain cover, um, you're going to need that and more. So uh, it's all a matter of, of trying to stay dry. And the gear makes it easier because it's more self-contained and smaller than ever before. I remember back in the day of three quarter inch record decks, things that mm. didn't even do good in humidity, did really poorly in, in hurricane conditions. Um, I covered Hurricane Irma. It was a tropical storm by the time it hit Charleston, uh, South Carolina earlier this year, but we were down there. And at one point I was, uh, I was up to my waist in flood water uh, with a camera on my shoulder and a backpack on my back under three raincoats trying to keep it dry because if things get wet, it's not going to do you much good. Um, So it's all a matter of staying dry, uh, knowing what food to take, and that is just very easy to eat uh, food that you normally wouldn't want to eat, you know, um, things that won't go bad. Um, What else? Um, I think it's personal safety and not letting adrenaline get the best of you. Um, There are things I did as a younger person I will no longer do. I used to not think twice about driving through high water, something you see a lot of in hurricanes when things flood and you're trying to get from one place to the other. you know in my twenties I would I would just floor it and yeah. go and um, today it I'm gonna pause a little bit before I do that. Um, I would say you know try and stay dry uh, but personal safety and and that is keeping your head on a swivel and knowing that nobody's got your back, nobody yeah so you know protect yourself. Um, technically uh, again it's a matter of keeping things as as, as dry as possible Um, because during the storm you know uh, stations want 24-7 coverage of course they're not going to say you don't have to cover the storm because you're getting wet you know it's all a matter of how long you can last before things get so bad that you can't but I have been in experiences where um, my personal safety was not a top priority And I've almost gotten in trouble um, being washed away by storms. So, you know, it's it's the same old thing with a policeman. I guess they they tell them, you know, protect yourself because if you can't, if if you're not there, you can't help others. Um, Yeah. And I know that's not a very technical answer, but you'd be amazed um, how many raincoats you can put on uh, when it's up to your gear to stay dry. Otherwise, you're out of business. Yeah. Um, Well, I
0: mean, let's let's and also television. Well, I was just going to say, let's drill down a little bit on that because you were saying about garbage bags and um, and gaffer tape. Um, do you mean, so literally you, you take the garbage bags and you just, you know, cut holes for the lens, wrap it around the camera, you know, uh, use your, your gaffer tape to sort of keep it all sealed. Is that is that essentially what you mean?
1: Yes, and, and, and that's often over your specialized camera gear. You know, um, I sort of collect those type of things because you can never have enough. Mm. Um, you know, setting a tripod down in in floodwater, uh, four feet high, ain't good with a tripod. Mm. Um, but I've had to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's but yeah, um, you can never have enough trash bags. I mean, I have wrapped um, everything from cameras to laptops to all kinds of gear. Um, it's it's awfully hard to shoot in it when it's just a big bundle of plastic <laughs> with one lens sticking out of one end and a viewfinder yeah. sticking out of the other. But those are the only options you have. You know, it's it's really hard to um, it's really hard to make art or attempt to when it's mm. raining up your nose. Yeah. And very often during a hurricane, you know, the rain is so hard it, it hurts. It stings. Um, and it's very easy to go out there and within thirty seconds have everything so wet. You know, good. So um, it's all a matter of, of of staying dry and learning where to do that, whether it be. Um, you know, you, you you learn to look for overhangs and places where you can seek shelter and still shoot video. Um, cameras are so small these days, though. That's that's really going to go by the wayside. I mean, imagine, you know, you could with GoPros and smartphones. We were covering the um, tropical storm Irma, which had been a hurricane a couple of days before, in Charleston, and some of the best stuff we got was from my reporter's cell phone. Mm. Um, we were driving along and there was a a transmitter uh, on a telephone pole shortening out and throwing sparks Uh, and he wanted me to shoot it and I said well you know, give me a second or two because I've got to park the car, get the gear get out and shoot it and before I could finish that sentence, he's got his smartphone up, records great shots of this thing, you know, throwing sparks until it eventually blows in a sort of a whiteout Um, and that was prominent in our coverage that night, so it's getting easier than ever before uh, with new cameras and smaller cameras and cell phone technology,
0: yeah.
1: um, but it's very easy to, to lose focus of the periphery and your personal safety and getting so sucked into that little screen in front of you. Um, I think that's my biggest advice would be, you know, understand that you're not immortal, you're not bulletproof, and you can very easily get hurt
0: yeah no i think i think that's good advice in any sort of dangerous situation isn't it don't don't sort of lose track of your own safety don't become a casualty um sure well well, will do it we'll wrap it up in a minute because uh, it's getting quite late here as well but i just wanted to ask um a lot of people online know you as Lenslinger. can you give us a bit of the background about how that name came about is there a story behind it or or you know and and uh what is sure. it sure
1: it um it, it started out as just a username in that I was uh it was back in the days of the message boards and they were hot and heavy and and I wanted to come up with a username and and um I'm a big Stephen King fan and there's the Gunslinger series and I think the book was within my uh, eye range when I was trying to think of a name other than Lynn Smith that someone had already taken you know <laughs> so I came up with Lynn Slinger and it kind of went from a from a username to a nom de plume in that um, I, I started writing a lot for the message boards and for um, TV news websites, the few that there are. Um, I've always told stories. I've always wanted to write. I just never knew what I would write about. After 25 or so years uh, behind a TV news camera, I got plenty to write about. I don't know you from Adam, but I guarantee you you can tell me some stories of what you've seen. (laughs) And I merely wanted to share those on on page and on screen. And I began doing so back when blogs were, were new and um, got a good amount of attention for the kind of stories I would write, mostly just slice of life, what it's like to be a local TV news cameraman in all its grime and glory, and um, met a lot of people, as we all did, about 10, 15 years ago online, when all that sort of came out of out of the ether, but um, I don't blog as much as I used to. I went through some, some life changes and find myself in a slightly different situation, but it is my hope and plan to one day publish um, some of the stories that I've blogged about and some that I certainly haven't. Um, so I've always said that uh, my job as a TV news photojournalist is, is the perfect field study for a book I'll probably never get around to writing. Mm. But if I did write it, I'd call it Viewfinder Blues, and it would be sort of the uh, the the story that I have lived these past 30 years, and that is one of someone with very little education or uh, classical training, finding their way behind the wheel of a TV news vehicle and suddenly having a passport to anything I could come up with. You know, The TV camera is, is a weapon and a shield, and it has taken me to places I never thought I would see and um giving me a lot of war stories along the way so the lenslinger files the lenslinger project whatever i might want to call it at the time yeah. is just my ongoing attempt at um you know writing my uh, uh memoirs wish me a lot because it's it's <laughs> it's so much easier to go turn a story on on a drive-by shooting than it is to sit down and add context and meaning to all these random events you've been through
0: yeah yeah no i well you can put me down for a copy as soon as it's written i'll buy a copy so uh, you've got one one sale in the bank already
1: well i do appreciate it i'm i'm, I'm taking notes i'm collecting them <laughs> um and 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 i think you would agree that 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 um, our profession is one that that provides so much um i don't know it just gets you up close to the craziest things mm, and if you can't true take some impressions away from that why are you there to begin with
0: you know yeah no definitely definitely I mean I used to blog uh, in a similar style to yourself but I found I'm just I don't know it doesn't quite flow you know I sort of struggle to, to keep the enthusiasm for writing blog posts but it's something I'd like to do more of I, I blog a little bit over at imagejunkies.net but not as much as I would like to and reading through yours your stories are much more sort of personal whereas mine are much more Hey, you know, I use this bit of kit, or do you know what I mean? So there's a bit of a difference. I there.
1: do, I do, and 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 I think that probably makes me um uh, a harder sell to just the TV news crowd because the kind of thing I want to write um usually all all involves TV news, but but that's I'm 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 not here to um educate anybody, God forbid. Mm. Um, I'm I guess I'm more interested in their personal stories, and those can be harder stories to tell. So um yeah, I just know that I that I continuously get um, get inspired by the things I see uh, in TV news. Much of it, the kind of stuff I can't blog about, because it's none of my business to be telling those stories. Mm. Maybe one day when I can uh, you know, sit back and swing golf, golf
0: clubs, <laughs> I can tell those stories. Brilliant. Well, look, if anyone wants to read your blog, how do they get hold of you? It is linslinger.blogspot.com.
1: That's L-E-N-S-L-I-N-G-E-R dot blogspot.com. And to be fair, I I only add to the blog about once a month these days, but I'm trying to get better about that. Um, But there's a lot of of stories on there, a lot of things to read, um, all of it true as I remember it. And um, I've greatly enjoyed hearing from readers because they all want to share similar stories with me that remind me I'm – I'm you know hitting on universal themes.
0: Well, thanks to Stuart for that. That was an absolutely cracking interview and one I really enjoyed. He's a really nice guy, and if you're interested to find out more, his website is Lenslinger L E N S L I N G E R dot blogspot. Uh, now on my website, uh, sorry, on my um, internet saying dot co dot za, but I think you can also go to Lenslinger dot net. He's also uh, on Twitter where he tweets fairly regularly as at lens so do give him a follow if you enjoyed the podcast please write a review and share on your social media feel free to tag me I'm at image junkies with an IES at the end um, and I'll be back next week I've got a few more good interviews already in the can so watch this space all right take care guys bye-bye